Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning back into another episode of Homecoming, a podcast that provides the space for people who identify as Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander to share their stories, experiences, and insights about a variety of different topics. Today on episode 16 of Homecoming, Dan Nguyen, who works at Pha 501, his family-owned Vietnamese restaurant in East Hartford, Connecticut, joins me on the podcast to tell how his story and the story of Pha 501 intertwine and also how they've fared during and been impacted by COVID-19. So Dan, thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you. I know that it's been a little bit of a hassle scheduling this, but you know, I, I know you must be so busy with your work. So I really, really appreciate you coming onto the podcast today um, and uh, agreeing to do this. And I'm overall just so happy to have you. <laughs> no problem. Happy to be here. Awesome. So first, before getting into all of the questions, would you be able to just introduce yourself and you can mention your name, where you're from, um, where you work, and any other part of your identity that you want to share to the listeners? Uh, yeah. So my name is uh, Dan Nguyen. I'm from East Hartford, Connecticut. I've uh, been in Connecticut all my life. I uh, work at 501, which is my family or my parents' shop. And uh, that's something that I have really, I'm really passionate about. Awesome. Yeah. So just so, just so uh, we have some context for the listeners. So um, Dan was actually a guest speaker at my Yale summer session um, food race and migration class that I took this past summer. And Dan, you talked about Flaw 501 and you answered a bunch of questions and you know, I related to a lot of your story because my parents also work at a restaurant. So I thought it would be super awesome to also have you on the podcast to give our listeners a better sense of what restaurant employees are going through right now and also the story of how Fa 501 got to where it is now. So first, would you be able to give the listeners a history of Fa 501, like when it first opened, in what ways did the menu or other aspects of the restaurant change as time progressed? Um, why the name Pho 501 and anything else that you feel like is important to the story of the restaurant? Yeah, um, so really how Pho 501 started was really um, kind of a desperation thing. Um, my dad, he just got laid off from uh, the factory that he was working with. He, I mean, I was only two at the time. He had a third one on the way, my younger brother. So he had three kids, uh, just got laid off. And he really had no other choice. After he got laid off, he was really thinking, okay, what do I do now? Um, and but he, so he re kind of remembered that, you know, he was always good, you know, at cooking. He's always good at cooking. And so was my aunt or his sister. Uh, they were kind of the two best chefs in, our, in the family, in the Connecticut side. Uh, our family is really well known um, for uh, for being cooks and uh, knowing how to cook. Uh, so it was a kind of a natural thing. Uh, it was just kind of just learning how to implant that learning, uh, how to do the business side. Um, and that was something that, you know, my dad uh, knew he had no choice and that he had to learn uh, kind of right off the cuff. Um, so that's really how the motivation and how that and how the restaurant started to take shape. And really, I think one of my uncles, he was going to school at the time, kind of passed by this little omelet shop uh, that said uh, 
essentially, oh, you know, for sale, selling the, uh, the owner is selling the business. And it was just, you know, just a, kind of a nice little breakfast shop. Uh, so we, you know, family talked, my family talked to my dad, my uncle's aunts talked to the owner. They had some kind of negotiate some deal. And, you know, my family just, you know, got the restaurant. And for the first couple of years, actually, my dad essentially ran it uh, as an omelet shop. Um, so he made omelets and eggs and stuff. But, you know, instead of toast, he did uh, do it with like a side of like baguettes. Because that's kind of like the Vietnamese bread. <laughs> and that's what we got from the French. And then <clears throat> on his side, he would do like pho on the weekends. But most of the time, it was usually just kind of the Vietnamese customers or the small Vietnamese community at the time that would, you know, get the pho while everyone else would get the eggs. And my dad would be more confident selling that, you know, than, you know, selling the pho to the Vietnamese than to the Americans. And over time, really the, the pho started taking over, taking over the eggs uh, because more people, more Americans were like, I want to try the soup more than I want eggs. So, and that's how that kind of happened there. And we started off with, you know, we actually had a menu and everything, uh, but it got kind of complicated because, you know, Americans are like, uh, what's like tendon? What's, what's meat? What's what are these meat bars? Uh, why is my, why is my steak so rare? Stuff like that. And, you know, cause you know, Vietnamese food at the, in the early nineties was still fresh, still new, uh, have yet, has yet to hit the mainstream. So no one really knew what was apart from Vietnamese and some Asian communities so it was kind of especially in an area that we were in in East Hartford where it's not known for a bustling food foodie kind of community uh, I mean still to this day it's not <laughs> uh, but you know it was one of those things that we had to really like commit to and really kind of introduce this to the community uh, to know, hey, you know, this is kind of our, a gateway to our culture. You know, if you like spa, maybe you could try other things, you know. And that was what, and we wanted to just, you know, make the best pho that we know, that we know that, you know, we eat this bowl of soup, uh, you know, people that are, you know, Vietnamese or maybe people that are not, they would, we want them to think like, wow, this is just like I, what I had back when I was back home, you know, in the motherland. Uh, that was always our goal, you know, was, you know, never, never watering down off, you know, what we, what we knew. Um, and yeah, so I, again, went from eggs to pho uh, and, you know, it saved my family. It really did. Uh, you know, had definitely gave opportunities for my family to uh, succeed, gave jobs <laughs> to my family, you know, and I uh, just was, you know, made my, you know, uh, uh, it was something also like that my grandma uh, always wanted to. So, yeah, so my late grandma now. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, that's really amazing that you got to, you know, like, like you said, not like, not like water down your culture and, but also present that to people in a very authentic way while also, you know, having that economic backing at the same time. And like, this is something that we'll go into later on in the episode, but I feel like, you know, sometimes immigrants may feel like they have like this balance between the authenticity of their culture with like catering to um, people, very different people in, in their local community. But that's so amazing that you got to serve and create the authentic pho, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. 
Um, and I guess, what about you? Like, how did you get started with working in the business? Like, was it something that you sort of grew up doing? Um, yeah, feel free to share that part of your, your own story with the restaurant too. Well, let's just say, I didn't really have a choice in that matter. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as you probably know, when you grow up in like a restaurant business, especially, you know, in, uh, in my case, you know, a Asian restaurant business, it's, it's, it's your whole uh, childhood, it's your whole life, really. Uh, because one, uh, you know, your parents are, you know, working all the time at the restaurant. And at times, you know, when they uh, pick, a, pick you up from school, uh, they're not dropping you, you know, they're not dropping you at home, you know, they're dropping you off at the restaurant. Right. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I see it. I, it's funny. I see it all the time. You know, now, like if I go to any, uh, specifically Asian restaurants, you know, I will always see like, you know, little kids like doing their homework or playing games. And that's, and that's reminding me of me when I was a kid, I used to do the same thing. And he, I mean, working at the restaurant was really, I mean, a natural thing. He went from, you know, as a kid, it was nice and cute. You're like, oh yeah, you know, helping clean the tables and stuff to, you know, actually like working at the restaurant, you know, getting paid by, you know, paying my parents and now being essentially coworkers with my parents where, you know, we're a part owner. So it was, it wasn't a, a huge thing like, oh, you know, working at the restaurant, but I mean, it was, it was, it's tough growing up in the restaurant business because uh, there are times, you know, when you're younger, you kind of, you, you're kind of stuck in this, this bubble. You'd be stuck inside these walls where like oh is this is there more to life than the restaurant uh, or you know or am i stuck in this you know is rest you know am i stuck in this restaurant that was something that to me personally i struggled with but i've come to accept it only because i've come to realize how lucky i am to be in the position that my parents you know provided and knowing that the opportunity that this restaurant has on impact you know with our with my family and with actually, you know, the impact that it has on the community at large, where, you know, it's bigger than me. Um, so, but yeah, you know, on my own story, it was, I mean, start off, you know, being a kid, playing games, you know, drinking, like Mountain Dew with sodas and whatever was, you know, available. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool, you know, knowing that I always had free food <laughs> whenever I wanted. Um, but you know, there was ups and downs. There's ups and there's always ups and downs and everything. And you know, same goes for the restaurant. Um, just knowing that you know, but when your parents, you know, working day in day out, it's you know, it's tough. But you you know, when you're older, you like you definitely learn to accept it and definitely understand what they had to do in order to provide the life that you live. And hopefully, I could continue that for the next gen. No, yeah, for sure. Everything you just said is so relatable. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, like, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. Like all those experiences when you're younger, just like hanging out, like just being fun, like doing your homework, like all that stuff. Super, super relatable. And I think, yeah, I agree. Like definitely um, just thinking about like all the hard work and like the long hours that your parents put in to like create a life for you and, you know, like provide a living for your family. I feel like that definitely imparts a certain like humility i guess um in in people and for me yeah i mean i, I feel like it, it's kept me humble and like grateful i guess 
Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, and you kind of mentioned this in the brief history, but I know that you guys mainly focus on serving and making pho instead of, you know, other types of entrees and dishes and stuff like that. So I was wondering if you would be able to share um, for the listeners who may not be as familiar um, a bit about maybe like the origins and like the cultural importance of pho in like Vietnamese culture and traditions. Sure. I mean, pho is really our national dish. Uh, you know, similar. Uh, it's kind of the biggest dish that, you know, most people, when most people think of Vietnam, to be honest, they probably think if it's not the war, then it's probably pho. <laughs> so, and that was something that we're, we're actually, uh, that, you know, I think we're proud of because we want to create something to, to, you know, that was something positive other than, oh, you know, when you think of Vietnam, you think of the Vietnam War. Like by doing pho, we were able to kind of, you know, negate that kind of ne- negativity and, and have people focus more on our culture and self and you know it always starts at fall uh and i I think that symbolizes our culture uh because it's it's a very simple you know it's not it it's a very simple kind of soup uh but it it, but the labor and the hard work that goes into making something so simple uh you know really defines us as a culture because i think that's what we are you know we are hard we're very we're very straightforward very simple kind of uh, modest, humble, you know, and hardworking people. And I think that kind of translates that with pho. You, you, when you taste pho, you, you, you know, that's what you taste. You taste like the labor, the love that goes into like, you know, like goes into that bowl. Um, and I think with pho, it was, it's really kind of a combination. But what I know, a combination of the two cultures that had uh, a big influence on us namely china and french uh china you know obviously you know china is kind of our big na- big brother our neighbor to the north and so you know their cuisine always had a big influence on in us uh you know with uh the noodles and everything noodles and um and with the french actually uh it was they indirectly uh influenced how pho was created because you know before the french Vietnamese people actually didn't really eat too much beef. Uh, uh, there was, you know, our cuisine is mostly like pork, chicken, as far as meats is concerned. Uh, but, you know, beef wasn't something that we really ate until the French kind of came in and their preference for like, uh, you know, uh, brisket or uh, rare beef, you know, was something that indirectly helped us in creating pho. Because that's a pho, you know, the, the most popular version of pho is the beef one. And so it was those two kind of, those two cultures that kind of indirectly helped us in making it. And that was some, that's kind of part of our history. I think pho was created, I think, was in, I don't know, mid 1800s or something. So it's like not too old, but you know, it's about, about 200 years now, I, I think, give or take. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's our most, that's our national dish. That's, that's what defines us. Awesome. Yeah. And I also know that the slogan of your restaurant is never forget your roots. And 
I was wondering, what does that mean to you? Why is that message important to you personally? And also, why is that such a crucial part of the restaurant? Um, well, shout outs to my older brother. He's the one that created the logo or the, the art itself. So if you see if you see the 501 logo, it's kind of a it's the soup the pho, and kind of a lotus flower. And if you know uh, you know uh, lotus flowers, they're they're very important in Asian culture. You know, it's something that you know it goes with with lotuses. It's it starts off very plain, but you know with lotuses it takes time, and when it sprouts out, you know it's very beautiful, and that's something that's you know, very popular in uh, Asian cultures because, you know, it starts off really small, but during time and it will, you know, rise up and it will become this beautiful thing. And that's something that, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, my older brother took a liking to with the Lotus flower. And that's something that when I saw that, uh, when I saw that, I, I was thinking of the roots because that's something that defines, you know, us is, you know, uh, it kind of spoke to me. I was like, oh, you know, never forget your roots, you know, speaking to the lotus flower, but also speaking to us because we never, you know, forgot our roots, you know, uh, for example, you know, making our fall, you never water down on anything. This is, you know, what you would get if you were back home in Vietnam. Uh, everything we do is uh, always remembering where we came from. Uh, we never like, you know, we never tried to, you know, cater, uh, to this audience, or cater to this audience is we're, we're just trying to, you know, be true to ourselves. And, and I think that with us as a restaurant, it was something that, you know, when thinking about like trying to, you know, modernize our restaurant a bit more and, you know, with my brother, you know, making that awesome logo, uh, I knew that I had to fit just an awesome slogan to go in on top of that. Um, so. Yeah, never forget who it's having. And that, it really stuck with us. And that's something that, you know, we know that uh, as long as we remain true to ourselves, our restaurant will always flourish. It will always blossom like the lotus. Wow, that, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful story. Beautiful slogan, beautiful logo. Um, <laughs> I, I, I also am wondering, you know, you, you talked about how Yumu um, never felt like you had to cater to, you know, particular communities or particular audiences. But I'm wondering, um, how has the East Hartford community um, impacted and also supported your work and your food and not necessarily like the type of food that you create, but I guess, you know, how do you feel like they yeah, just have like supported your business um, and supported that the work that you guys do. Um, I think the East Harvest community has been very welcoming to us. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, you know, when I was younger, it might've been maybe, might've been tougher uh, when my parents and my family were starting out because, you know, people will most likely come in thinking, and, you know, to this day, people come in thinking that, you know, we're, uh, a Chinese food joint, uh, or you know, or and you know, thinking that oh yeah, you know, this is it's, it's Asian, so what, you know, it must be Chinese food. So uh, you know, they probably have like I don't know, general chicken or something. Um, but you know, it was it was and because like you know, like I said, East Hartford is not known to be a big food community, so you know, uh, it was it was it was different that you know they had like you know 
at the start of Vietnamese restaurant that served that Asian restaurant really that served something radically different <laughs> than what you know what most people would think of when they think of Asian food you know because at the time when we started you know there wasn't much Vietnamese you know restaurants yet you know nowadays I mean you you see it everywhere uh, and uh, you know they got a bunch you know bunch in a perfect community I mean even in like uh, you know Asian fusion restaurants nowadays right they, they I'm sure they have fall too I know in New Haven they got uh, Me- Mecca, what Mecca or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. They are they they they're the ramen joint, but they also serve pho, right? So it's really taken off in the last few years. Um, but yeah, as far as the East East Hartford community itself, you know, they I think they have taken a warm you know a warm welcome with us. I think a lot of people it's it's cool to see uh, how diversified our customer base is now. Um, and I think it, it's a large, you know, largely impacted by where we're, where we're located. The fact that we're located in, in an area that's not known for food, you know, it's, it creates, you know, a lot of, you know, destinations for people that, that, you know, that, that never really had this kind of food to kind of come in and try it. And we had so many people come in, you know, never had fog before. And it was kind of the gateway to, you know, Vietnamese culture. And I, think that's something that you know we're really proud of that you know we kind of had a threat indirectly or directly had an impact on uh having people kind of expand their palate and try new things so that's what i think that's something that we're real proud of for sure yeah that's awesome and you know i also want to talk about um covid19 and like how the pandemic has just uh, messed up like basically our entire economy but you know I, I know that a lot of restaurants across the country really have had to do carry out orders only and a lot of restaurants around the country have had to close either temporarily or permanently but yeah overall like what additional measures have you guys had to take and um, yeah how have how has the pandemic influenced you guys personally in the restaurant um, I mean, the first thing, when did it, when did it start? March 15th, March 15th, I think it started the whole shutdown, um, in Connecticut. So yeah, it was tough. It was tough in the, the first couple months, really. Um, it was tough because one, you know, with the whole shutdown, uh, we went from, you know, dine-in to just takeout. Um, and that was something that we had to get adjusted to, even though that was something we always did, we always did takeout. Uh, it's, you know, it was a little, it was a little adjustment period to do, do exclusively take up one, um, you know, uh, we did lose, you know, we did lose a cut, you know, a bit of percentage of our customer base, uh, due to like a lot of downtown Hartford and a lot of work in East Hartford going remote, especially where we're located. We're near Pratt and Whitney. That's one of the biggest companies in Connecticut. And, um, it was, that was definitely tough on us because that was about that'd be about 75% of my businesses, you know, on the weekdays. And so it was tough getting uh, used to that. And then just knowing, okay, because of the whole, you know, uh, fluctuation with uh, customers, you know, like how, how much do we make now to ensure that, you know, we sell enough for the week and we're, we're selling, you know, and we're not, we're not wasting uh, any food too. So that was 
for the first couple of months uh, adjustment period. And the fact that, you know, because when COVID happened, a lot of Asian restaurants closed, uh, you know, namely uh, Chinese restaurants. Uh, I think, yeah, Chinese, you know, Japanese, you know, even in Vietnamese as well. Due to one, maybe, you know, they do most of the business at dining. Or two, they were afraid of the backlash from COVID. Um, I know that in, I know, uh, through my experience, I know that a lot of Chinese restaurants definitely closed uh, due to that and or due to uh, New York City being shut down. And then it was, it was tough for them to get the supplies that they needed in order to keep the business running. Um, and they just, or, you know, they just want to close because they didn't, again, they didn't want that backlash and they wanted to everything to cool down uh, before open reopening. Um, sorry that I think maybe a couple months later, you notice that you know, a lot of Asian restaurants started reopening again once, once everything was starting to re- uh, reopen. But because of that, they just, a lot of restaurants closed and that kind of impacted us uh, at first uh, negatively because a lot of people weren't aware that we were open, they thought we closed too. Uh, but, you know, that was something that uh, we had to kind of uh, take part in social media and social media marketing. And you know, that was something that, you know, because, you know, uh, my age, I'm a bit younger than my parents. So uh, that's something that I was more familiar with and something that I know I had to, I had to take control of in order to uh, make people aware that we're open. So I took control of making sure we were advertised on Yelp, Facebook, Instagram all the socials and just letting them go, hey, we're still here. Uh, and then I think that really helped a lot um, with our business. And the fact that most restaurants did close at the time, uh, it gave a chance for people in other towns, in other communities to try us. Uh, so due to it, even though we lost some business at first, we did gain some new customers that I've noticed that never would try us because you know they had restaurants in their area but because of COVID, they decided to try us because we were sent uh, at the time around from March to May, we were like the only choice for Vietnamese. So um, it, it definitely had its positive and negatives, uh, definitely negative at first. Uh, but, you know, uh, now we're, you know, and we definitely lost business, you know, have, I mean, half our business was dining, um, but we have been fairly steady. Um, you know, during this, uh, during this time, especially, you know, now that it's summer, that's usually our snow months. So, uh, again, I mean, we're doing okay. Uh, we're still here, still, still operating. So I guess that's a good thing now, <laughs> nowadays is as long as we're still here, we're still okay. Yeah, for sure. I know, you know, I'm supporting you guys. I'm rooting for you guys. And I know so many people are, um, yeah. So, I, I, I think things are getting better on the East Coast, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Hopefully, you know, as things return to somewhat of a of a of a quote unquote normal, um, things will be better. Um, so, last couple of questions for you. Um, yeah. So this is a question that I asked you when you came to speak um, in Professor Tran's class. Um, And it's something that I never really thought about growing up, but it was something that was brought up in my um, 
Yale Asian American Cultural Center staff meeting. So I'm really curious for you to share your thoughts on this. So do you have any advice for people, um, specifically immigrants to the U.S., who are starting their own businesses, starting their own restaurants, and are trying to balance serving their authentic food of their home country with trying to make that food palatable to those living in the area? I do remember that question. <laughs> okay, so, um, so there's one thing I, I mean, there's one thing I do want to mention. I mean, even though we, we are authentic with our food there's one thing that we did change um that i actually forgot to mention in your class uh was that i mean it's not a huge thing but we, we had an option for shrimp um and that was probably one i think that was the only compromise that we did just because we realized that there's some americans that you know like they like to be you know healthy or and they don't want to meet option so they want something, another option. So we decided to have shrimp or see shrimp as our second option for, uh, for fall. So that was, I mean, that was the one and only compromise, but my kind of answer still stands that, you know, try to be as authentic as possible. And if you need to compromise, have a fair compromise, that still remains true to you, you know, true to your own. Uh, you know, you know, we, we compromised on having shrimp, you know, adding shrimp to our fall. It wasn't a huge thing. You know, it's because, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing is the broth. Right? As long as you don't compromise on the broth, uh, you know, we, we, could, we could add in shrimp. That's fine for people that want it. And, you know, and, you know a lot of Asian people still, still eat shrimp anyways, or a lot of other people still eat shrimp anyway. So it's not, no, it wasn't a huge deal, you know. Like we, we still have, you know, Vietnamese people that come in, they order the shrimp. So it was something that, you know, conveniently worked out, you know, worked out in the end for us. Um, but my thing is for, you know, immigrants to, you know, kind of just get to know the area that you're living in, um, and knowing the, the, the palates. Now, if it's something that, uh, you know, you know that, Hey, there's not much, you know, restaurants that, you know, have the local flavors that I know, maybe that's a good opportunity for you to kind of, uh, you know, share that with the community, uh, and be proud of it. People see how proud you are with your food. It's going to translate that into them coming back. You know, they, they're going to see that they're going to see that passion that you have for the cooking and people come back for that, you know, for that, for that whole experience. But, you know, that's why people, you know, come to, you know, 501, for example, you know, they come in knowing that they don't get this full experience. Where it's like, wow, it's, you know, I mean, we're, we're a small shop and it kind of reminds some people that, of, you know, back home, like, you know, coming into a, you know, you know, pre-COVID, of course. You know, to a crowded restaurant where it's very bustling and, you know, getting, you know, your, getting your fall with, you know, the plate of like the bean sprouts, basil, peppers, limes, sauces in, and just creating your own experience. And just walking away knowing that, you know, this is the closest thing for me, you know, this is the closest thing to experiencing a culture, uh, you know, without going, without actually going there. And I think that's something that a lot of, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe immigrant families that want to take part in open up a restaurant, that's definitely something that should be on their mind is, you know, how do I translate my culture into a restaurant and have people experience what I've experienced? You know, that can be, that's the only way people will definitely, you know, appreciate and understand the culture, you know. Yeah, it's a business, but I think a 
positively, if you're able to reach, provide your culture to other people, uh, and ha- you know, and have them react positively to it, that's you know, there's nothing more better than that. And because you know that what you're doing is real, right? You know, again, goes right to our slogan: never forget your roots. So that's you know where you know where we stand in that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I think you know, like it could be a really difficult balance because you know like people's entire lives and like economic well-beings are sort of on the line but i do think that like we need some of those trailblazers you know like you guys who are just not afraid to serve your authentic food and putting it out there and, and like you said like exposing people to new cultures because you know once people have a sense and a taste of what that's like and like they enjoy it they'll want more of it and you know that can sort of open the door for other restaurant owners restaurant starters um to start yeah. their businesses as well so i mean it's yeah. tough because it's tough because you know to kind of uh you know go oh you know maybe i shouldn't maybe i should water down water down you know my food because i'm maybe you know some people might not like it or they might they might be afraid of it and, you know, they tend to, you know, some people tend to water down, you know, food and, you know, people are going to notice, uh, you know, I think nowadays people's palates are a lot better, more, much more open. Uh, I mean, you see, uh, you see different kind of restaurants every day nowadays. Uh, uh, you know, that's not just not the regular Chinese, Japanese sushi joints. It's, you know, it, it's, it's definitely much more expanded. Uh, and I think, you know, people are starting to notice the difference between something that's authentic and something that, you know, there's something that is a little watered down to suit certain tastes. Um, so I, you know, always stay true to yourself. Always, you know, know, just know what you know and just don't be afraid, uh, afraid of it, you know, it, of what people, other people might think. Because if you, if you go that route, you know, you're going to go crazy <laughs> trying to please everyone. Uh, when you should only, you know, when you know, when you know, when you know what tastes good, if you're confident in your flavors and confident in your menu and, and your food and what goes into it, then that's, that's, that's the only thing that should be important. Definitely. Um, last question. Do you have any memorable moments or stories that you can share from working at fall 501 um i think i mean i guess a recent recently it was really probably the first week the first week when the shutdown happened um just on the first day just seeing our regulars coming out and showing support from day one just you know kind of get they were you know, I say, hey, you know, we're never going to, like, stop coming here. It doesn't matter what, you know, what pandemic it is. It could be the end of the world. But, you know, you know like, session one of, one of our regulars, her name is uh, Emily. And she's been coming in since I was, like, I don't know, like, three, two. Like, she's known me since I was a kid. And to this day, she has, she's been coming in every, she comes in, like, Wednesdays, Fridays, and the weekends every week for the last like 20 years and from COVID didn't change. <laughs> and I think that was, a, it was awesome to see that because it kind of gave us hope. And then, like, you know what, like, this is something that we could definitely like, you know, survive knowing that we had such a dedicated base that would 
you know, be so committed to helping us in 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 our time of need or you know in during this crisis. So seeing that, and then with her, you know, she remembers like she remembers like me, my brother's birthdays, and she always gave us like you know like money and envelopes, you know, the red envelopes and everything. So it was, <laughs> it's really it's it's things like that or like you know um memories are like you know um people come in saying like hello to like you know my you know, grandma who uh you know passed away this earliest year and uh she would cut in all the meat and try to help out the restaurant um she did that until really her last year and it 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 was a cool thing um you know seeing her like work all the way up to like her last year and she had no complaints she was happy she was happy to work happy to help you know in any way that she can and you know during our beginning years for memories i mean it's not when i work in the restaurant but we used to have like that's where we used to, that's where we had our family reunions was at the restaurant so our family would come in and we'll have like you know we have a nice family party it would always be at the restaurant you know my dad and my and my aunts grandmas will be in the kitchen they'll be cooking all sorts of food uh when i was a kid that's something that we do like every christmas you know until you know it was maybe the first 10 years of the restaurant you know so and that's when we were, that's when we started out as a restaurant that's that was my childhood you know like oh man you know family reunions at the restaurant everybody coming in from like michigan or, or uh, whatever you know whatever states are they were you know coming from and it was probably the best, you know, best thing ever, like, to end the year. Like, you know, that would be our Christmas thing. And it'd be bustling. Uh, people would be playing uh, Vietnamese poker, what they call it. We call it Dingland on, a, uh, on this nice little carpet ride. My grandma would be <laughs> beating everyone in this, taking everybody's money. Uh, food would be, you know, you, you see, like, food, like, steam on, on, the, on the windows, you know, food, like, laughter. It was... That's why my most vivid memories of restaurants as a child was uh, just uh, you know when the first ten years to the first ten years of the restaurant when every you know family when this was a new thing still and we never really knew how long this was you know going to go like I'm sure my dad didn't know like uh, like you know starting from 1992 that this is would be you know like he will continue this you know almost thirty years later. Like that, you know, it'd be a success that he is now. You know, first ten years, we were just, you know, my parents were just appreciative. Like, wow, we have a business, <laughs> you know, just you know, and uh, you know, just something that we should like celebrate. You know, family was you know excited, and it, we didn't know how long it was gonna last. So that would have made like every reunion with the family much more exciting. And that was something that, again, I would always remember, and, and that's what kind of fuels me now. Because, you know, I kind of want to bring that back because, you know, the reunions was, you know, my grandma was the big thing for the reunions. But now that, you know, she has since passed away, we are still figuring out how we can continue to mean it up. And so that's something that I definitely, you know, one of my passions is to kind of keep the family together, make sure that we're still uh, just as close because, you know, we have a big family. And uh, and thank God that was we're all so close. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And sorry, sorry about um the passing of your grandma. Um, 
that makes oh that all, all of that it just makes me super emotional i feel like <laughs> i don't know if it's quarantine or yeah that's the, yeah thank you so much for sharing all of that though um yeah that is all of the questions that i've got um do you have anything else you want to add before we move on to the rapid fire questions uh i mean how you know you said yeah you had a um restaurant with your family you know what's what's kind of like your experience with that what's um, uh, what kind of restaurant did you have and what was your experience in growing up and you know that space was it similar to what i had or was any differences yeah um okay so my parents immigrated to the u.s in the 90s i think and they started a restaurant a chinese restaurant but it's like not it wasn't real like authentic chinese food because um you know i grew up in rolla missouri super racially homogenous rural town a very small town um and so it definitely wasn't authentic chinese food but yeah my parents worked so 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 hard you know so many long hours like six days a week like it was it, it's crazy you know and it like like i was explaining before it really keep me humble and grateful and like just very appreciative um for everything that my parents have sacrificed for me because you know i feel like that's one of the main messages that a lot of us you know who have parents who work like in you know restaurants for example really hammer into into us right it's like we're doing this to provide you with a better life and so that you know you have a better future um and yeah i think i have a lot of similar experiences like i was saying before in terms of always you know my parents picking me up from school dropping me off at the restaurant uh we had like this designated room where we would like do all of our homework and like play and stuff like me and my sister um and uh, you know i feel like having a family and parents who work in the restaurant industry has really made me more empathetic i think towards you know other people um working in the restaurant industry too because i think you know when i i actually went to a boarding school in massachusetts so ton of like wealthy kids there um and i feel like whenever we went out to eat they wouldn't necessarily tip well and wouldn't necessarily treat the waiters well and i think you know having parents who work so tire tirelessly as you probably you know you you also know that too you know i think it's really shifted my perspective you know i always make sure i try to tip as best as i can and i always make sure to like be kind to the workers you know you never know what their situation is like you know if they're a family-run business their entire family is like behind the counter in the kitchen you know like catering to you like trying to like make a meal for you so it's definitely made me more appreciative same here same here you, 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 yeah when you're in a restaurant business it's hard to it's hard to get out of it, that mindset where like, you know, you know where people are coming from and it's, you know, a restaurant, you know, we, people in a restaurant industry, you know, we take a lot of, we take a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> from uh, people. So, you know, it's always appreciative when, you know, people understand, you know, especially in this time of needs where a lot of restaurants are, um, you know, losing business, but some restaurants, you know, had to close. 
you know, we just, you know, we're lucky, you know, we're, we're in a position that we're in where, you know, we are, where we could remain open. But, you know, it's tough to fully open for us because of the size of our restaurant. You know, we're not a big restaurant. We, we're, we still have to kind of remain doing takeout until the time being, you know, until so, everything should open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for, I really, I really appreciate your time, Dan. Um, before you go, I just have several rapid fire questions that I wanted to ask you. I do this with every guest on the podcast, super quick, fun, and casual. Um, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. First, what's your favorite dish at Pho 501? Uh, Miguel. Okay. Say you have your own late night talk show. Who would you invite as your first ever guest? Late night talk show, first ever guest. Oh man, uh, so many, so many people. Uh, <laughs> I guess my dad. Oh, that's super sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, what is your favorite scent slash smell? Um. Hmm. Passion fruit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and final question: What is your favorite Vietnamese tradition or holiday? Uh, that Vietnamese New Year's. Uh, because that's when you get a lot of money. Get <laughs> the money. <laughs> well, now I mean, when I was younger, now I have to give out the money. <laughs> <laughs> But I still like it. <laughs> good reason. Good reason. All yeah. right, Dan. Thank you so much. Do you before you go? Do you want to promote um, Phil501's website, social media platforms, phone number, location, anything else? Uh, yeah. Um, Phil501. We are located 501 Main Street, East Hartford, Connecticut. Number is eight six zero five six nine three seven zero zero. We are on Facebook and. Instagram at Bob 501. We're open just for takeout, uh, takeout only, and we also do delivery, curbside, all that, uh, just no dining uh, for the time being. Um, Yeah, we serve uh, one of the best spas in Connecticut. Look us up. All right, everyone. So if you live in the East Hartford area, definitely go check out Fa 501 and order from them. And for those who don't live in the area, if you ever are, definitely hit them up. I know that I personally am super excited to get something from you guys whenever I'm allowed to go back to Yale. But yes, please, please, please support your local restaurants and small businesses during this time. There are so many hardworking people who are behind the counters, in the kitchens, constantly serving you guys and trying to make sure you have a great experience wherever you're, wherever you're dining and wherever you're um, buying your groceries and wherever you're eating. So yeah, definitely make sure to do that. So thank you so much, Dan, for coming onto the podcast. Super appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you.